Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by RWJ Barnabas Health, PSENG, committed to providing safe, reliable energy now and in the future. Fedway Associates, Inc., the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Berkeley College, celebrating more than 90 years of preparing students for lifelong careers. The Turrell Fund, supporting reimagined child care. The New Jersey Education Association. And by Community Food Bank of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by ROINJ, informing and connecting businesses in New Jersey. And by Insider NJ. Hi, I'm Steve Adubato. Um, I'm not sure when the last time I did a, an interview, a program that had a greater impact or potentially has a greater impact on a representative democracy, on the role of the media, on the Trump presidency, particularly the final days of it, and what we can learn from it. And the gentleman that is about to join us can tell us more than anyone I know. He is Jonathan Carl, ABC News chief Washington correspondent and the author of this book. You'll see it up there. It's called Betrayal, the Final Act of the Trump Show. Uh, Jonathan, good to see you. Thank you for having me, Steve. So we're taping on the 14th of December at the end of 2021, be seen in 2022. I want to start with this. We're not a news program. You can check out our Metro Focus series and NJ Spotlight News here in our region on public broadcasting. They'll tell you what's going on every day, not to mention the folks at ABC. But that being said, put in perspective the text we are seeing in the Mark Meadows dump, if you will, data dump turned over to Congress. We don't need to talk about the news of the day, but those text messages from Donald Trump Jr., from Fox News hosts like Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and others who are saying on January 6th, Mr. President, you got to do something now. It's out of control. Uh, there's a siege going on and the president not seeming to respond. Not my opinion, but a fact. What does that tell us about January 6th, the president's final days, and does it add to what you have here about January 6th and betrayal? It's a loaded question, I know. Well, what, what you're seeing is extraordinary insight into what was going on with the people who were closest to Donald Trump while the rioters were rampaging through the Capitol building. Uh, you're seeing it. Uh, this is just one kind of one window into it. it it's Mark Meadows' text messages. It, it's the messages... They were not even on Mark Meadows' official government cell phone. These were his private cell phones. He had two different cell phones he frequently used. Somewhere on there, uh, there are messages from me uh, to Mark Meadows as well saying, what are what is the president doing to stop this? I, I, I texted him uh, shortly before uh, 3 o'clock uh, as the rioters were inside the building. What is the president doing to stop this? And then I asked him, what are you doing to stop this? He never answered that. Ne Wait a minute. He never answered no, he never answered that. And and what you see in these in these messages is, uh, I, I, you know, I, I look into the minds of his closest supporters. I mean, this is his son, his namesake, 
Donald Trump Jr., uh, apparently unable to get directly through to his father himself, goes to Meadows. The basic text was, you got to stop this SH blank now. Get the yeah. president to be a leader. Yeah, it, it, it's time to lead. He needs to give an Oval Office address and to tell these people to go home. That was what Donald Trump Jr. was saying. And now we see also that's what uh, you know the, the people that were the strongest supporters of Trump on Fox News were also saying. Sean Hannity is saying, can he come out and and give a give a speech, you know, address, tell these people to go home? Uh, you know, Laura Ingram. So look, I I spent a lot of time in betrayal trying to understand what was going on inside the West Wing during those three to four hours when the riot was on, was underway and we weren't hearing anything from Donald Trump. And remember, what you're seeing from Meadows is just one window. This is his private text messages. These are people who don't work at the White House. There's a lot more to come. I mean, in, in Betrayal, I talk about the Deputy National Security Advisor, a guy named Matt Pat, Pot, Pottinger, um, who was so horrified by what he was seeing. He went down to the Oval Office to try to get into the president, and the president wasn't there. He was in his dining room next door, and they wouldn't let Pottinger in. He runs into Meadows and saying, what is this? Where's the National Guard? What is happening here? He's so upset with, with the answers he's getting or the lack of answers that he's getting that the Deputy National Security Advisor walks back down the hall in the, in the West Wing into the National Security Advisor suite of offices, and he writes his letter of resignation. Uh, which he submits a little before four o'clock on January 6th. So I'm going to read this quote right from the beginning of the book. This is, uh, this is you. This, by the way, your interviews with the president, I want to make it clear, you have interviewed the president, and this was from an interview that you did with the president. Was it at Mar-a-Lago at the beginning? Yes, it was. It was on March 18th of, of 2021 in Mar-a-Lago. And by the way, Jonathan will give his description of Mar-a-Lago and what he saw down there in just a minute. This is uh, Jonathan Carl to the president. Were you worried about him, meaning Vice President Pence during the siege, were you worried about his safety, the President, President Trump? No. I thought he was well protected. I had heard that he was in good shape. No, because I had heard that he was in very good shape. Jonathan Carl, Mr. President, because you heard those chants. That was terrible. You know those, and the President interrupts and says, well, the people were very angry. And Jonathan Carl says, um, they were saying, hang Mike Pence, and Trump responds, because it's common sense, dot, dot, dot. Um, what am I missing, Jonathan Carl? I mean, the most charitable thing you can say about that truly shocking exchange, I think it's the most shocking thing I've, I've heard Donald Trump say. Um, and he's said a lot of stuff that, is, that has shocked the conscience. But Where was his loyalty to his vice president, who had been loyal to him for four years? Where was his sense of loyalty? Yeah, and, and and he's saying, you know, the most I'm saying the most charitable thing you can say is he's not saying it's common sense that Mike Pence should be that, that we should hang him, but it's common sense that they are angry and so angry that they're chanting that because Mike Pence is in Trump's twisted analysis of this, uh, failing uh, to stop a fraudulent uh, election, um, and 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 you know it's just but but the, but the callousness, the utter lack of concern. Those people were chanting, hang Mike Pence. They had erected a gallows outside the Capitol building. Pence was hustled out of the uh, Senate chamber and into the basement of the Capitol complex where he was holed up for some uh, for several hours. His life was in danger. And Donald Trump has not 
a bit of concern about it. In fact, what he's doing in that exchange that I had with him at Mar-a-Lago is he is justifying the actions of people who were calling for Mike Pence's execution. Jonathan, do you think, and this is difficult to get inside, of, inside the head of uh, the brain of Donald Trump or anyone, uh, Joe Biden or anyone who is in a position like this, do you think that when he was speaking to you in Mar-a-Lago and told you, come on, and then again, the, the, the Trump text that ultimately went out on the 6th tells people, I know you're hurt, I know you're feeling pain, et cetera, et cetera. We have to have peace, so go home. We love you, you're very special. Okay, people can decide for themselves. I have a lot of friends who not only voted for Donald Trump, but who say, Steve, stop making, you and the media, stop making such a big deal about January 6th. Do you think that President Trump understood that when he was saying to you what he was saying to you about Mike Pence, and now that these texts are out, that others who were in the Trump orbit were saying, this is horrific, it's terrible. Afterwards, they said some very different things about it. Antifa was involved, blah, 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 blah. Not just to my friends, but to millions of others, particularly those who watch public broadcasting right now. Help them understand what you believe, the president believed, was serious or not serious about democracy being imploded that day. First of all, I have to say, Steve, I wrote this book in large part. I mean, first of all, I wanted to get the history down and I wanted to get it down in, in a very factual way and in an in, in, in undisputable way. Um, I think it's a very important history to remember and to know. But I also wrote this book primarily for those who believe the lies. These are not dumb people. These are not bad people. These are these are uh, there are tens of millions of people who truly believe the stuff that Donald Trump has been saying, and 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 I think that they have reason to believe it. I mean, first of all, Trump has repeated it so many times. He was in such a position of authority. He was the president of the United States. He's saying this stuff. Well, how many courts so would have to have said there wasn't evidence? Sorry for interrupting, Jonathan. But how many courts? Many courts with Republican appointed judges, with attorneys general from states that are Republican, those attorneys general being Republican themselves. Secretaries of state said, no, there is no evidence of this steal. Because Donald Trump said there was a steal, you're saying millions upon millions of Americans, two thirds, if not three quarters of Republicans believe he won, this was stolen because he said it, one man? Yes, but it's more than that. Okay, first of all, he said it so many times and you know the saying, you repeat a lie often enough, people think it's the truth, okay? But it's not only that. It's not just that. The, the way the vote came in on election night was confusing because different states had different rules for counting the ballots. Pennsylvania had, a, frankly, a screwy system where they weren't even allowed, the, 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 uh, the votes weren't even allowed to be prepared to be counted until after the polls closed, all those mail-in votes. And you have a whole series of procedures that are put in place to make sure that people aren't casting fraudulent votes, to make sure that people aren't voting twice, to make sure that they're actual residents and registered voters. So that all takes time. So you know, if you if you tuned in on election night, you thought Donald Trump was well on his way to winning because that's what the, How about a month said after? on the board. How about a month after, two months after, three months after, still, still? Well, no, yeah, because 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 during those interim days while the votes are being counted, you have the most powerful uh, person in the country telling you, somebody who you have supported, telling you that now they're bringing in illegal votes. Now they're vote dumps and, and you know, truckloads of ballots and ballots in ditches and ballots here. It's all nonsense. It's not, all not true. 
But I think you need to take the time to explain it, which I do in betrayal. I go through and I look what really happened. You know, the president made this, you know, this allegation that, for instance, I mean, there are many of these, the ballots under the table in Georgia. I look at that. Uh, but but Georgia, but but Michigan, Detroit, Detroit, Michigan. Why did, did, did these votes come in uh, late in the city of Detroit? Well, I looked at it. There's a reason it happened. That's the way the vote processing works there. And by the way, Donald Trump says that's why he lost Michigan. Donald Trump did better in Detroit in 2020 than he did in 2016 when he won the state. He didn't lose because people brought in illegal votes in Detroit. He lost because he lost decisively in the suburbs, mostly among women. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. still here. That's me and my daughter when we went to celebrate our first anniversary. With a new kidney, I have strength. They gave me a new lease on life. I'm still going everywhere and exploring new places. Nobody thought I was going to be here. Nobody. Now I look forward to getting older with my wife. That's possible now. We're transforming lives through innovative kidney treatments, living donor programs, and world-renowned care at two of New Jersey's premier hospitals. They gave me my normal life back. It's a blessing. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Can we shift gears to Donald Trump and COVID? Again, you wrote the book at a certain time. It goes to press. Certain things are found out later. We actually have an interview with your colleague at ABC News, uh, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, coming up about his book in just a couple of weeks. Chris Christie has said publicly, you know this very well. He's spoken to you offline as well. He's convinced he got COVID from, directly from Donald Trump. Mark Meadows, in his book, I believe, while he did not make it public to those who were around the president in his final days, that the president had tested positive, he puts it in his book, unless I have this wrong. Did Donald Trump, President Trump, have COVID and was not only out there with his advisors and prepping for a debate, but then went with Gold Star families face-to-face -face in close indoor quarters? I have to have that wrong. This must be fake media. Yeah, uh, no, you, you're, you, you have this directly from Mark Meadows. Uh, you have this directly from the book that Donald Trump endorsed when it came out as the truth. If you want the truth about what happened, read Mark Meadows' book. And what Mark Meadows tells us is that Donald Trump tested positive for COVID two days before the debate. And he went out and he did, he did an event. He went and he spoke to reporters on Air Force One uh, that, that, that afternoon. One of those reporters ended up... Uh, testing positive for COVID and getting sick himself. Uh, and he ended up the, the next day going to an event with Gold Star families. And 
you know, what Meadows says is it was a false positive because there was a that because the, the sample was retested and came back negative. I mean, I have to see proof of that. Uh, and by the way, you know well that COVID tests are are not perfect, but false negatives are the problem, not false positive. If the virus is present, it is shown. You don't get false positives. <laughs> you're, you're 150 times more likely to get a false negative if there is a mistake. False positives are, are unicorns. They don't happen. And so if you have one positive and one negative, you don't go on like as if nothing has happened. You don't go on. And he went, and Lord knows how many people he exposed, probably including Chris Christie. You know, I'm going to do this. I hate do rapid fire, doing rapid fire because we in public yep. broadcasting try to go deeper, but there's so many subjects here. Is it true that Johnny McAtee, um, who I believe played quarterback for University of Connecticut? Thank you. See, you got that information. Yeah. Um, he was the head of some personnel operation within the White House. He was the president's guy who would carry whatever he had to carry with him, yep. and then he got his this position. Was there a so-called loyalty test, and were people pulled in? And you write about this in the book. I was reading it last night in preparation for today. Was Johnny McAtee, on behalf of the president, calling people in, asking, did they vote for Trump? Have they ever voted in a Democratic primary? Why did you vote in the Democratic primary? Do you agree with everything Donald Trump says? And anyone who was questionable was either fired, demoted, didn't get a raise? That, that's that. exactly correct. It was the Presidential Personnel Office. It's the most important human rights or I mean, human resources organization uh, in the country. And they went through and they interviewed officials uh, up to uh, high, you know, high and low and, and, and tested their loyalty to Donald Trump and those that were deemed insufficiently loyal. By the way, they also asked about social media postings. If you, uh, you know, if you posted something that seemed pro, uh, that seemed un, unsuff, insufficiently pro-Trump, you were questioning, possibly fired. Someone says, come on, Biden does it, Obama did it, everyone, Bush, they all did it, Clinton did, they all do the same thing, you say. Yeah, they're no, no, not like this. Trust me, not like this. The, 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 he, he, he turned that presidential personnel office into uh, what people in the in the West Wing who didn't have to deal with him, something like the uh, East German Stasi, like a secret police uh, internal uh, rooting out uh, people that weren't loyal enough. Give me a minute or a minute on this, approximately the photo op in front of the church with Mark Milley, who you talk about extensively in the book, General Milley walking across the street in military um, fatigues and what happened to those protesters who were largely peacefully protesting. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the most horrific moments in the history of the American presidency. Uh, the, the Lafayette Square, the space above it, had had a peaceful protest going on, and the place was cleared out rather violently uh, with uh, uh, police on, forced, on horseback, uh, uh, tear gas, uh, batons, I mean, the whole thing. And he came out right after it was done. Uh, it wasn't cleared, it doesn't seem specifically for his photo, but it was... It was so close that they could still smell the tear gas when they walked out of the White House and over to St. John's Church. Uh, Mark Milley and Mark Esper, the defense secretary and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, were walking behind him along with the attorney general. They all said that they were blindsided. They were uh, told to come to the White House for a briefing on the efforts to deal with, uh, with civil unrest. Uh, and the meeting, the briefing never happened. They were just told to wait. The president was speaking in the Rose Garden, and then they walked out together. Um, and and all of those men, uh, all of those men, see this as a um, 
as a real mark of shame on, on their careers that they were there. Out of loyalty to the president. What's going to happen, Jonathan, when, when not only my friends, but others send me uh, text messages and emails and they see this show and they say, look, Arabato, you have the guy on from ABC News. You're all part of the liberal media elite and you're just anti-Donald Trump and you did a hatchet job for half an hour on the president for Carl to sell his book. No, I mean, by some others won't say much. You have no horse in this race. And I've said this many times. Neither do I. Neither do we in public broadcasting. Who's this is coming from Mark Meadows. These are text messages. These are these are many people who voted for Trump who are Republicans. They're saying it. Chris Christie was the first person who lost in 2016 to endorse Trump. He's the one who said Trump gave him COVID. He's the one who's saying we can't look in the rearview mirror. Look, I, I, I can just tell you, and, and I could tell if I could tell anybody that that, that says that to you, uh, I have you. received a lot of feedback uh, from this book from people who worked in the West Wing at the White House, who people had top positions within the uh, Trump administration, and by and large, almost exclusively, uh, the commentary has been, "You nailed it." Uh, this is right on. This is factual. Uh, this is the story that needed to be told. Nobody has disputed any of the significant details uh, in this book, not even Trump, uh, besides a blanket condemnation saying that uh, uh, that it's fake news. Trump knows that I've treated him fairly. Uh, Trump knows that he uh, he praised my last book, A Front Row at the Trump Show, as one, that, one of the few books that he felt treated him fairly. Uh, I, I don't take sides. I don't take sides. That's not a journalist's job. Um, and when I covered the Obama White House, I, there, there were many Obama officials who thought that I was too tough on, on, on Barack Obama. It's not a matter of being too tough or too easy. It's a matter of following the facts. And that's what I did. And I think it's really important here because there's a real effort to try to change the history of what happened. And, and I document very extensively everything I'm talking about in this book. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. Here. That's me and my daughter when we went to celebrate our first anniversary. With a new kidney, I have strength. They gave me a new lease on life. I'm still going everywhere and exploring new places. Nobody thought I was going to be here. Nobody. And I look forward to getting older with my wife. That's possible now. We're transforming lives through innovative kidney treatments, living donor programs, and world-renowned care at two of New Jersey's premier hospitals. They gave me my normal life back. It's a blessing. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. The other reason you should read this is there's a story, one of the stories in, in uh, Betrayal that I was moved by uh, the, is the Tulsa 
the Tulsa rally that the president insisted on having that did not have a lot of people there, mostly because they were afraid of COVID, um, and, the, and people got sick at that rally. It was one of the first rallies that was held indoors. People got sick, um, really sick, including Secret Service people and supporters of the president and staff of the president. And according to Jonathan Carl the, and sources, direct sources, the biggest beef the president had was that there weren't a lot of people at the rally and it made him look bad. He that was enraged. Sense. I mean, this is a guy that, 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 that can draw a crowd. I mean, whatever you want to say about Donald Trump, he's, yes. he, he's it's one of the most impressive uh, mass movements of our time, the, uh, the, the phenomenon of the Trump rally, people lining up for hours uh, during the campaign in ice-cold conditions uh, uh, and blazing heat. I mean, nothing stops them. But he was told, uh, but, told but, not by health officials in Oklahoma not to have yeah. the rally. It was dangerous. It was, the timing was wrong. And he said, Yeah, the timing was wrong. And uh, and there was a lot of fear. And uh, was the first major event really, really in the world uh, after the, uh, the lockdown, certainly in the yep. United States. And it was indoors. And uh, Trump was just absolutely enraged that there were empty seats. And there were a lot of empty seats. Did he fire the the event? He grab a crowd. They were interested. People were, were fearful. And as it turned out, uh, one of his own campaign staffers, I report for the first time in the book, uh, became so sick, Very sick after that rally that they were hospitalized in Tulsa. And uh, this, this, this staffer believed he was going to die, uh, but spent several days in the hospital uh, in Tulsa, left behind long after the rally. Did was the president over. reach out for him? No, not that I know of. Okay. And by the way, according to Chris Christie, the president uh, asked him, President Trump asked him one compelling question when Chris Christie was in the ICU in a hospital here in New Jersey quote, You're not going to tell anyone that you got COVID from me. And Christie had no idea. Christie will talk for himself, but he had no idea he was asking that. Real quick, in spite of everything you said, in light of everything you said, Trump 2024. I, I don't think he's going to run. I don't think he's going to run. No, you know I him better than most. I, I, I don't think he's going to run. I, I think that he doesn't want to face the possibility of losing again. Um, what about he, if he just his, says it was a fake election. They stole it. He can say that well, anytime. I, I think I think he'll spend his time talking about how the last one was fake. I don't think he wants to go through and and, and do that again. I may be wrong. Uh, so, and I will say that people around him, many of them say he is going to run, but I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. He's, he's announced he's selling the Trump International Hotel on Pennsylvania Avenue, just down the, the road from the White House. I think if he truly thought he was coming back to Washington, he would want to still have that hotel. Uh, I, I, I don't think he's going to go through with it. That said, he's going to want to make us believe he is because that makes everybody pay more attention. So I don't know at what point he finally pulls the plug and says he's not running but I don't believe that he will be a candidate in 2024. Hey, Jonathan, I, I really, on behalf of everyone in the public television family, um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to not just break down the book, but talk about the implications of your reporting here and the contents of this book. Um, and, I, and again, it's not even a question whether people agree or disagree. There are sources, and they're solid sources, and many of them are people who are supporters of Donald Trump not enemies of the people. Many of them are on the record in this book, on the record, because uh, I, I really made an effort not just to have anonymous sources, but put your name to this stuff. So, you know, thank you. Thank you, Steve. Betrayal, um, Jonathan Carl's book, The Final Act of the Trump Show. All the best to your family over these holiday, the holiday season into the new year and uh, to your colleagues at ABC. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you.
Appreciate it. I'm Steve Adubato. More, way more importantly, that's Jonathan Carl. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by RWJ Barnabas Health, PSENG, Fedway Associates, Inc., the New Jersey Economic Development Authority, the Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, Berkeley College, the Terrell Fund, supporting reimagined child care, the New Jersey Education Association, and by Community Food Bank of New Jersey. Promotional support provided by ROINJ and by Insider NJ. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. Here. That's me and my daughter when we went to celebrate our first anniversary. With a new kidney, I have strength. They gave me a new lease on life. I'm still going everywhere and exploring new places. Nobody thought I was going to be here. Nobody. And I look forward to getting older with my wife. That's possible now. We're transforming lives through innovative kidney treatments, living donor programs, and world-renowned care at two of New Jersey's premier hospitals. They gave me my normal life back. It's a blessing. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together.